What is going on, everybody? Welcome to a new episode of Orange Slices. I'm Heath Pierce, my co-host, Mark McKenzie, and this is brought to you by Four Soccer Ventures. Now, we have a great interview with Anthony Robinson this week, but before we get into it, Mark, how you doing, man? Looking good. You got it. You, good. Got, your, you got your. You got your hair did. Yeah, man. You know, I had, to, I had to change up the style, and my hair was getting long, and I was like, ah, "What do I do? What do I do?" And I said, "Ah, uh, last minute, I think my agent flew into town, and he wanted a cut." So I said, "You know what? I'm just gonna do it. I'm gonna go for it." So I, I had my barber bring out, you know, his his uh the, the girl who does you know braids and, and and twists, and I said, "Yo, let me get the twist," and came through and did it, man. And then I got a cut right after. So yeah, I got a new do. New style, new swag, yeah. new confidence. You know what I'm saying? I feel you. Hey, can I just say something real quick? In my whole career, I don't think my agents ever stopped by. <laughs> like, I don't think I got that kind of like attention. Maybe that was a problem. I remember <laughs> I was trying to get out of Germany when they were doing Eddie Johnson's deal. And Eddie Johnson, by the way, is going to come on the podcast this next week for 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 all of our listeners. But I remember just getting an email back. I'm like, yo, dude, they're like trying to kick me out of the club. I need to move. Like I'm playing every game in the national team. This is really big for my career. And, I, and I'm like calling, calling, calling. I'm getting an email back being like, hey, busy right now. What's up? I'm like, <laughs> listen to your voicemail, you know, or text me back. You'll know what's up. Uh, so the fact right that you're getting now. that kind of attention. I know the game has changed and globalization. Everything's travel routes and all that stuff. I'm like making it sound like I was playing in the 70s. I'm just trying to give excuses to why an agent never really gave me that much attention. But that's good that you got people coming in. You've got a steady flow of people, man. That'll keep you sane when you got a steady flow of people coming through. Yeah, man, it's it's definitely it's it's definitely nice, you know. Uh, shout out my agents, you know, for yeah, they they always show love, so you know, always keep in contact and whatnot. And I'm yeah, I'm happy, man. But uh, I think having the companies is is huge, especially after the first you know six months of being here. You know, not really having the the chance to see people and and openly travel. Like this weekend, I'm going. To, I'm I'm probably gonna hit up you know hit Paris, you know, and go see Paris for the first time uh, yeah. with my girl. So. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll check that out. But but again, having that company is, is nice. You know, the steady flow, like you said, you know, being able to come back and, and chat with people or link up, go out to lunch, go out to dinner. You know, it keeps you it keeps you stable, keeps you sane, you know? And, I, and yeah. I'm a social person. I'm a social butterfly, and I like that. But yeah, man, yeah, it's, I think it's, 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 it's a good time. I think it's important to have that network, right? And that's where people really start to struggle, and a lot of people don't see that. Um, and then we'll jump off this topic, but it got me thinking that, you know, you need that network of people around that you can... I had a teammate who was from Finland when I first got to Denmark and we didn't talk about soccer at all away, right? We would play video games, we'd hang out, we'd go to a cafe, we'd like everything but, which was like our distraction, right? To just sort of Mm -hmm. be human and connect and just sort of that escape. And I didn't have any family or friends when I was playing abroad most of the time. And so having that network of just finding one person that you can just be like, yo, let's just hang and know that like maybe some people, you know, if you're a Brendan Aronson, you're going to want that person in your network to be somebody you can talk soccer about. Right. Cause he loves like that's, yeah, that's yeah. his escape. It's just more soccer. Um, but for others, you got to find that, that, that sort of circle of trust or, or that network of people that can, especially in, in, in person, right. We have family and stuff and we can be connected pretty quickly, but to have somebody around, whether it's a significant other or a friend that you can just be like, yo, let's hang. And like, decompress and not have it have yeah. to be like a continuation of your job and the stresses that are going on, whether things are going well or, or, or you're struggling a bit. 
Yeah, man. I think that disconnect is huge, you know, because yeah, for me, for me especially, I, I love the game and whatnot. I watch the game, you know, I'm always around the game. So having that opportunity to to, to kind of unplug and unwind and say, okay, I want to talk about <clears throat> something other than other than football. I want to talk about video games. I want to talk about fashion. I want to talk about the NBA. I want to talk about, you know, the games that I missed. I want, yeah, just, just little, little things like that. Uh, they, they give you that refresher, you know, to say, yeah, I'm not overly consumed, you know, to the point where I'm now, this has become monotonous, you know what I'm saying? You know, so, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, I encourage you know everyone to kind of find that outlet for themselves, you know, to, to get away from whatever it is, you know, that, that you feel bogged down by. And it's turned to inspirational, like, uh, like, uh, I don't even know, like, yeah, go and step outside, go in the woods and, and inhale the Fresh yeah, oxygenation feet, from your, the trees. Let your, feet touch, let your feet touch the sand. You know, you just gotta let. <laughs> take your take connect. your socks off and and feel the yeah. earth, the the yeah. energy transfer from your from your feet to your body. Hey, I w- I will say that I watched a documentary or a series with Darren Olean, who's like um, fashion and and like life's not lifestyle, but health and wellness guy, and he's traveling with um, can't remember what's his name, uh, Zach Efron. And his whole oh, thing God. that when you travel oh, internationally, yeah. you take his shoes off and walk around barefoot yeah, and be like, yeah, yeah you yeah, got to yeah, connect yeah. with the earth and like, you you know, the vibrations of the earth and everything that helps to be jet lag. And I was like, bro, yes. somebody would have told me. I didn't walk around know, barefoot huh? everywhere I went, you know, just <laughs> walking through the hotel with my, with like, you know, coming, c- coming off that plane with my, uh, with my compression socks on, just walking, you know, no shoes, just walking. Connecting with the earth. You said you said jet lag? What jet lag? I don't even know what that is. I'm connected. Uh, I'm connected. Oh, you disconnect? Oh, you gotta stay connected, man. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But uh anyways, yeah. So uh, Anthony Robinson, man, what what a guy. You know, he opens up about uh the difference of the Premier League and championship, you know, the the levels of that. We we compare and contrast our experiences uh playing the game. Obviously talks about why he chose the US over England. Him and him and Eunice uh just smooth smooth voices you know like yeah all around good guys i like i like i like this uh this uk vibe you know that these guys have culture uk ting uk ting fam yeah it's a it's about you know hey wait 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 wait. before we before we get into to to our conversation happy birthday man you know just again you you know another happy birthday you know i I posted it but you did you know heath had a birthday guys and he's looking not a day over 27 you know yeah, you hit me with that JW post again, though, and I was wondering, like, <laughs> you hit me with the like God, Happy Born Day, and I and I think I think you you didn't say Happy Birthday to me again. You weren't celebrating it, you know. You were just happy I was born. You're li- so I was like wondering. Um, but thanks, man. I really appreciate it. Thirty seven. It's crazy uh, how life changes. That I got into media when I was thirty one ish, and thought that I would play till thirty seven, thirty eight. Especially when I became a center back, I was like, "Oh, bro, I got miles on this." But uh, you know, uh, I had to choose a different journey. The injuries caught up to me, and body didn't feel right. And so, oh yeah, by the way, U.S. Soccer gave me that shout out as well. And oh yes, I had been yes, like, you oh, got the I shout out on their social. Bro, I was like, ah, text. I was like, I was responding to every comment every time they posted like a birthday chat. Uh, or a birthday post of somebody. I was like saying here, I was like emailing everybody at US Soccer and then they finally did it. It was amazing. It was an amazing feeling. I picked up well over 10 followers from that. Um, so I appreciate them doing that as well. But yeah, man, I appreciate it. 37, you know, um, life is good, man. Life is good. Can't complain. 37 trips around the sun, man. I'm happy for you, hey, man. 
Hey, real quick though. Also, before we get into this, um, we have a fan question from Charles oh, Houston yes. uh, asking you if would an in prime Heath Pierce make the roster for the national team today? Yeah, yeah, he would. Hmm. Guys, I have confidence. He's rounding the corner on me. He's rounding the corner, and this guy's giving me love. Now. I have confidence. I I have confidence to say that. Yeah, Heath would definitely make okay. the roster. There you go. Well, I don't know about ro- a player pool. I'll give I'll give player pool for sure. I like, think you can make the roster. Roster's I, tough. I, me in my prime, I would say in my prime though, I was a multi-position player, and I would have had more versatility to offer the team. Where it's like you're deeper. Where like you're talking yeah. about twenty-three, like seventeen to twenty-three on a World Cup roster is like you got to have some versatility. You know, and nobody's trying to bring two left backs to a World Cup. They'll bring a second left back that can play center back and maybe <laughs> somewhere else. Uh, and exactly. that's what I truly think I was missing uh, when I when I was an alternate for twenty ten. No, exactly. I think that's I think that's important. You know, I think you need that balance because because. It, when it comes time to it, you know, you're sometimes going to go down players very quickly, you know, when it, whether it be a fullback goes down, whether it be a center back goes down, you look down the line, you're like, oh, snap. Well, the reserve center back we had who's playing, you know, just went down. So how are we going to do this now? And we only have fullbacks or natural fullbacks and can't play any other position. Yeah, you need you need that. So I do think an in-prime Heath Pierce will make the roster. I can say that with confidence, yeah. you know, because, well, yeah, again, like- Heath, He's a baller, guys. I, I think let's let's not negate the fact that he he is a ball, he was a baller, you know, and he can still ball today, just not at the same pace as before. But he can he, he was a baller. Yeah, I play with my eyes now, you know my my legs <laughs> my legs my, my legs are just there to keep me up. Play smarter, eyes, you know? smarter, yeah. not harder. I'm I'm more of a Raquel May type than uh, than a Roberto <laughs> Carlos type, you know, or Marcelo type. So, you know, Busquets, so. you know, Busquets, you know, <laughs> yeah, see, yeah, the, yeah. see before it happens. Yeah. Oh yeah, dude. The game's in slow motion for me nowadays, you know. I mean, but that's because the game is actually moving at a slow motion pace. You know, <laughs> not because I can see not because I can see faster than everybody else, it's because the people that I'm playing with, including myself, are now playing in slow motion. So it's weird how the game gets easier as the game gets slower. It's amazing. Um and when you're playing against other old people. So um but yeah, listen, uh let's let's get into this this interview. It was a, it was a fantastic chat. And um, again, another another guy that that just has a completely different approach, which which I feel like we're now having this this sort of range of of guests of different backgrounds and upbringings that's really showing this. Just there's no single point to to getting to mm-hmm. a high level, and and he's another one from a different background. So here is our conversation with Anthony Robinson. Let's welcome our next guest, a footballer who plays his club soccer at Fulham in the Championship and spent last season in Premier League. Uh, he's eligible to play for England. However, he chose the better side in the U.S. Um, one of my boys, he has 12 senior caps to his name, uh, as well as a, a Nations League trophy that you know we, we got to share in. You know, that was fun. Um, the young Skywalker himself, Anthony Robinson. What's good, my man? How you doing? Yes, Mark. Like, like the introduction, by the way. I'm good, man. How are you? I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm good. Glad to see your face again, man. I'm getting good, uh, good energy from you. You know, anytime we have a conversation, I feel uh, the buzz, you know, you know what I'm saying? Last time we were on a call, we got introduced as the wrong people. So yeah, yeah. I was Anthony <laughs> and you were Mark. So it was, uh, it's, it's, it's good to have my name back, you know, not saying that you're <laughs> bad or anything, but <laughs> hey, let me, let me jump in real quick before we get started on this whole thing, Mark, because, because we, because you're late. I thought I thought a good I thought a good place to start in the conversation is uh, being late to things. Right. Obviously, 
the, the national team, I don't think uh, there's no fine system, at least when I was in the national team, it, I'm assuming there isn't with you guys, but at the club level, there's definitely fine system. Some of them are like arbitrary kind of funny stuff. Mark, you've mentioned it before, like a spinning of a wheel of, of certain things, but Anthony, what, what, what is it like if you show up late and, and, and how much, how, how hard can it hit the wall if you showed up late for training or something uh, like a meeting or any of those types of things? So we've actually just like, now we've got a new manager. We've just got a new fine system. So I still don't know. I just try not to be late ever and <laughs> not have to pay any money for no reason. But like the new fines now, I'm sure it's like, say like later training. I think we start at 10, 10.30 normally. And um, if you're late, then it's £250. And then for every minute that passes 10.30, it's an extra £50. Ooh. Um, yeah. So yeah, it can get steep. And then like, obviously stuff like meetings on game days and stuff, it's a lot more. So yeah, I'm trying to avoid that. Yeah. What do time you, do you guys have to be in? What time do you guys have to be in? Like, cause I know for us, we have to be in an hour and a half before training starts. Uh, it's like nine o'clock is the, the cutoff. And then every minute after that is an additional uh, amount onto the fine. So when, yeah, we're in at nine thirty, and it's, it's the same. I think late report yeah. might be like a hundred pound and then 50 pound yeah. a minute. Um, but yeah, nine thirty for, Onward, you have to report last report 9.30 and then trainings normally maybe 10.30, 11, maybe a bit later if we have a meeting. Have you in the past got hit with any fines uh, for showing up late? The last time I can remember being late was when I was at Wigan last day of the season. We literally, obviously our last game, I was sat in the car park thinking that was early, but I didn't realise kickoff was half an hour earlier that day. So I was actually about 15 minutes late and I was just like, no one bothered to text me. So I was supposed to have a pretty big fine for that because it was the last day and I was on loan. I kind of just left it. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then when I when I went back permanently, no one remembered. So I just kind of kept my head down. Uh, that's not bad. Dude, I remember when I was in Germany, people used to like, no one was looking out for me. I remember being very alone at times when it came to like showing up on things and, you know, military time that they'd be putting into the calendars and stuff like that, that I didn't understand that much or like, you know, we'd be in a meeting and, and when I first got there, like the coaches say something in German and I, everybody be like, okay, okay, okay. And no one would tell me like, oh yeah, he just moved up the meeting 30 minutes. It would just be like, sorry. Um, he, he would just be like, uh, no one say anything. And I show up late and they'd be like clapping when I came in, I'd have to pay a fine. <laughs> they think, they think it's so funny <laughs> that like I had to pay a fine for showing up late. No one would tell me like, well, you should ask. I'm like, how am I supposed to know? He said something different. You know, uh, people, people would stitch me up. I remember getting hit a few times with those fines. Do you have a weigh-in system? Because Mark, you have a weigh-in system, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have a, a weigh-in and then you have like a wellness survey you have to fill in to like say, oh, I'm so Yeah, we have the same, and, yeah, same blah, thing, blah, blah. yeah. Is exactly. that part of your check-in? Like to know that you're there on time? Because like you could you could be hiding out in a clubhouse or you could be, you know, you could you could sneak in late probably or is it all like one entrance and people see you? Uh, so obviously people would, staff would see as soon as you, as soon as you walk into our building, you walk into the physio room. So Staff will know if you're not there, but you have to do you have to do all the check in, and then outside the changing rooms, further down the hall, is a sheet for you to sign your name, and they take that sheet at nine thirty. So anyone who's not signed it, like mm. they know you're late. That was a uh, that was us for for weights, Mark. I don't know if it's the same for you, but we had to weigh in, and they take that weigh in at, at nine thirty or nine, whatever it is. We had to be in, and if you weren't on that list whatever, but you used to get like, you had a few guys you could rely on that would be like, you know, throw a few numbers and a name on a list. You're like, yo, dude, I'm running a couple late. Just uh, (laughs) throw my weight on there. Or if you didn't weigh in, you got the same sort, you got a different type of fine for not weighing in in the morning. But so you had to have a few guys that, you know, you know, had your back, they'd go on, they'd be one of the last ones at like 929. They'd see a a missing, uh, missing check-in. They just fill it out for you. 
Uh, Mark, what's 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 uh, what's your fine system again with the with the spinning uh, wheel? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we have a. Uh, it's for every for a fine over a certain amount. So just to make it simple, like say say a fine is like fifty or a fine if you leave your jacket outside or you leave a piece of your equipment outside. It's like I forget, I don't know the amount. I'm just gonna say like fifty euros. You come back inside. Whoever brings that gear and they have to put it down in a place where everyone can see it. And say like, and then, and then we have a whiteboard inside and then they'll pin it and be like, oh, so-and-so left their jersey or whatever outside. And then the physio, uh, he'll bring in a spin, a, a wheel, like a, you know, a wheel of fortune type. And on the wheel, it has different fines on it. So it's, you know, bring in donuts for the t- the, the coaches, uh, do the dishes with the, the, the kitchen staff after training, do the laundry with the kit manager, double fine, triple fine. Uh, yeah, so you got a whole bunch of different things. I'm uh, on there and I think it changes every, every few months. So they'll throw on different, different, uh, different fines, but yeah, you spin it and, and you pray for the best because I've seen a couple guys get hit with triple, triple fine, but luckily enough, I've, I'm on my P's and Q's, you know, make sure I don't leave, uh, leave my stuff outside. I ain't trying to get, <laughs> I'm just trying to get hit with that. Hey, so let's, let's get into some more of this, uh, some more of this, uh, content, Mark, uh, obviously it's great having, uh, more left backs on, on the pod. This is, you know, we're starting to build a little bit of a bond on here. Have you ever heard the word outside back? I'd never heard of it before I came to the US. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was one of the first things that I, when I when I first got called up, it was obviously back when like Dave Sauer kind of took over and a lot of the young boys were sort of getting chances. So um I remember it like hearing some of the words outside back was one of the ones that made me laugh. Calling like even some that make sense, like calling the middle of the pitch the like midfield it just never made sense to me. Like that would make like let's let's bring it into midfield. I'd just be like, what we what are we doing here? I'm trying to think of a few more like calling bibs, pennies, like, things like that. Uh, just yeah, really, yeah, yeah, yeah. It didn't make sense, but outside back probably the strangest one. I remember I saying that for the first time, and some I was on a, a a show in 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 London, and they were like, "What did you just say?" <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah, I was a uh, you know," because they were asking me about, "Oh, uh, you know, you played against David Beckham, and what position did you play?" And I was like, "Outside back," and they were like, "Huh?" And then uh, it was I because I, I, I played in, against them in Wembley and it was like there was something they were talking about with with uh, England and the U.S. And I remember just thinking like that was the most natural thing to me. And even while they were saying, huh, huh, I, it still didn't register how foreign of a phrase that was because I grew up saying that always that now when I now when I hear somebody else say outside back, I go, huh, yeah. you mean fullback? <laughs> Listen, Anthony, that was a subtle flex by him. You heard him when he said. Yeah, you know when well, I played against David Beckham. Yeah, you know, listen, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> sorry, sorry, I couldn't. Uh, hey, it's all I got. It's all I got left is to be able to just slide, slide some like I remember wins into these conversations. But I remember, like even now, I I hear somebody say because it's. I thought maybe I became the weird one when I talk like that, and then now I hear it, and I don't remember who who was it. I think Sam Vine said outside back. Yeah, uh, said outside back. And yeah. and I heard it, and it just like was like raw in my ears, knowing that like. It's not called that somewhere else, but that's that's crazy. But uh, hey, uh, how's the season going so far for you? Um, so we just had our first game. We drew one all against Middlesbrough. Probably, probably should have won to be honest. But like opening day, anything can happen, and they were just a really physical team. Like their front three were all above six foot. Um, the guy on my side was six foot five, so I lost pretty much every header against them. Um, <laughs> You know, but that's typical Middlesbrough near Warnock team. So uh, we've we've got Huddersfield Saturday. So luckily, the games come that fast in the championship. You always get a chance to make it right. How is it? How's it playing with Tim? Uh, you know, the the man with the the, the man bun and the hey, another beard. another former outside back. 
Oh, jeez. <laughs> he, he wouldn't want to hear you say that. Um, yeah. <laughs> nah, playing with Tim was chilled, mate. I mean, he didn't really... Like, they kind of just locked up my side, so he didn't really fancy passing me the ball at the weekend. But, you know, it's what it is. Uh, it's, uh, all, it's all big man. Yeah. Like, uh, nah, we got to yeah. the right. Got to the right. Yeah. right <laughs> exactly. back. It's not bad. Hey, uh, so, you know, you got a new coach in. You talked about the new fine system. How different is it uh, having having a new new head coach? Obviously, you had, it says, uh, you had a head coach at Everton while you were there. Uh the staff was there while you were there. Is it, is, is it, isn't it, or Marco Silva? Um, is, is it an advantage? Is it new? What's it like, I guess, in, in your situation when, when a new coach comes in, in terms of competing for a spot and, and kind of settling in? It's an odd one because it's, it's the first time that for me being like in a first team club, obviously while I was at Everton, we had a lot of managers, but first time being at a club when like managers have changed. So it's going from a manager who like actively tried to bring me into the club to, a manager who, funnily enough, I know him anyway because I was at Everton for a couple of pre-seasons with him, but like he loaned me out my first season that he was with me and then the second season sold me. So it's kind of two contrasting views. So it's that feeling of, right, he's coming now. I kind of have to prove to him that I've developed as a player and that like he should be playing me. And um, that's, that's sort of the battle I'm fighting at the minute to try and keep in his favour. That's kind of wild being in that situation. So he loaned you like a loan situation when you were that age at that time would have been on the clubs, like led by the club, basically saying, we, we think you need to get minutes and you're not going to get them here. So here's another solution for you. Or was that something you were looking for yourself? Well, that was so that was just after I'd been on loan to Bolton, um, obviously in the, in the championship at the time and um, done very well um, and teams interested, but and I'd signed my new contract at Everton, but at the same time, they were looking for a left back to replace Leighton Baines, and they signed Dinya. So, like, they basically said, "You're not going to like play the season because we've got these two. So, you may as well go on loan." And then the year after, it was the same. I'd been to Wigan, done pretty well in the championship. So, it's kind of either trying to break through at Everton, or you know, having to go on another loan or leave. And they said, "Look, we're, we're keeping Baines." So, again, you're probably better off leaving. And that time, they just said permanent was probably better, even though. You know, at the time, Baines only had one year left. Who knows what would have happened? But yeah, I'm glad I left. It actually worked out being the best thing for me leaving. I think it's part of football that a lot of people don't see. You know, a lot of people don't understand. You know, the the, the ins and outs of of daily life. You know, whether it be you're at a club and and they want you, or you're not. You know, on the 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 team or the fixture that you know, and they want to send you off. So it's yeah, it's. I think it's important for people to hear that, you know, because it's not all pretty, you know, sometimes, you know, and yeah. you may feel comfortable, but as soon as you get comfortable and it's like, oh, okay, some crazy may happen. And then, and then you find yourself on the other side of it. Um, but for me, what's like, what's the difference between the, the championship and, and the prem in terms of like style of play, some of the nuances of it? Cause, cause you see it on TV, you know, but, but when you're actually playing in it, it's different, you know, and, and, and as a football, yeah, you, you, you see, you see some of the, the differences in the game, but, but when you're actually in it, you know, what's it like? I'd say, right. There's a lot more, there's it's a, still a high quality league, but there's a lot of teams because there's so many teams and so many games. A lot of teams resort to playing like really direct football, so like long balls and stuff. So games can end up being like basketball matches, really back and forth, scrappy and intense. So a lot of, like, a lot of it comes down to like fitness and stuff like that, being able to, you know, just keep up and manage the games. Whereas in the Prem, I feel like for a lot of the time, like when teams are just building up with possession, bar a couple of teams who, are pretty direct, say like your Burnleys and teams like that. Um, a lot of teams like sort of build up and 
play pretty slowly and it's only when it gets in the final third that it's really, really quick. So yeah, I'd say that's, that's the main difference. It's kind of an intense all game and it's always always a fight in the championship. Yeah, between I, I I've I've shared this on on this podcast before when I played first Bundesliga from the second Bundesliga, it was actually a lot harder in the second Bundesliga because as you had like you said a wider range of teams and quality go down, like the effort and the fight and the you know chaos went up, and I felt like you know looking back there was a lot of teams that would build up or even allow you to build up at times and get to the half line. It'd be a little more rhythmic. Whereas in the second Bundesliga, it was every game, the pitches were worse. It got rougher. It was like the speed of play got faster and it was just more difficult. Do you find it to be actually more difficult? Um, or is it just like the quality of the Premier League is, is, is just a step higher and, and more difficult in itself? I'd say, yeah, I'd say it's a pretty fine balance. Like I, I do feel like, I feel like I'm the same player when I play in the Premier League and the championship. I just, like you said, the challenges are different. It's going from, you know, having to use that pinpoint quality and then when you're defending, any sort of little mistake can end up being a goal. Whereas in the championship, you sort of get, uh, there's a bigger margin for error. You get let off for a lot of the mistakes you make. Whereas then the intensity is a lot harder in the championship. So it's kind of, you know, just different different um, animals, really. All right, let's switch gears a little bit. Uh, I wanted to talk about our uh, journey to the Nations League, my friend. <laughs> What do you think? Do you think there's anything special about the team? Because you you were with Sarakin, you were with uh, who was was there anybody after Sarakin? Um, trying to think. It was, no, no, it was straight it to was Greg. Greg. Yeah, Greg, straight to Greg. What do you think the difference is in the group that we that you had back with Sarakin and then the group now? I mean, there's again, relatively speaking, there's a lot of the same faces, but sometimes you get a different vibe with the coaches, like we talked about earlier. Um, what would you say is like the the, the difference between the the two? Um, I wouldn't say coaches, but the teams when they're together um like with, with when it was with dave i feel like it was it was kind of just a lot of young and experienced boys and then probably maybe like four or five like old heads like you had um brad guzan and or, uh, michael bradley and people like that like uh coming regularly just to kind of keep the experience in the camp whereas now i feel like even though there's still the same people so like that's three years ago now and there's a lot of like like people like me Weston Tyler and stuff like that were in them camps together um, there's even younger guys now who, who are like main components of the team like Geo and players like that Eunice who like you've just had on and the young players who were in the team were a lot more experienced than back then it was my first ever season in a first team and I was 21 at the time now you've got lads like Geo. it's their second like main season They've already got like whatever, however many caps for the US, five, ten, whatever it is, and a full first team season, if not two first team seasons behind. So it's it just feels like the qual like the quality is rising, the talent sort of um getting picked out and we're just getting better and better as a team. And we're starting now that we've had that sort of stability with Greg that we've had him for a long time, his ideas are starting to like be really shown on the pitch and you know, we are sort of bonding as a group and it's just positive, man. It's all going really well. I think we've had a great summer. I yeah. think that's a a really interesting perspective because, you know, during, again, my national team era, we had a lot of young guys get called in, but most of them were called in because you bring them in, they get part of the experience, but they're probably not even playing at the club level, right? They just don't have any. It's just you see this potential and you're like, you need to integrate them in. This will help them. Whereas now, like you said, these young players, 17, 18, are, are regular first-team players. And I think that's a turning point, right, in terms of the depth and quality uh, that we have in, in the national team and just the, the youthfulness uh, of players that are competing at a high level. We never really had that before. You know, the best players were once playing in their mid-20s to late-20s. And, and then you had this drop-off of, like, 
future potential, um, which I think is a really, really interesting point. Um, and just the difference of, of generations and where we're going. Yeah, definitely. Like if you, when you look at, I always, they always love putting it in, um, as a stat in the game, like it'll be like, oh, this is our youngest, our second yeah. youngest uh, average age competitive team or whatever. But like that's the team that Greg believes is the best team to go and win a game. So just means that, you know, a couple more years together, obviously, we've got this whole year coming up with World Cup qualifiers before. Hopefully, I mean, I feel like we have to, we have to qualify for the World Cup. If we don't, then with the team we have, it's, it's unacceptable really. But then going on beyond that, when we hit the World Cup that's going to be in the US, it's going to be unbelievable to see the amount of experience and we're allowed to pick up and grow together and play together for, you know, five, six, seven years. And um, I think the potential that we've got rising is pretty amazing. What was your experience at, at the Nations League in terms of, you know, everybody that we've had on that was part of that experience hadn't experienced a U.S.-Mexico in that context before? Obviously, you played in the Honduras match, didn't play in the final, but what was that just that that uh, energy like for you? Was it something new? Was it like, did you think it was, what, did it exceed your expectations uh, in, in terms of what you thought it was going to be? Well, like fortunately I've played against Mexico before, like under Dave, like, we played them. I think it was in Nashville and we actually beat them one nil, but it's weird. Even when you're playing, playing at home against Mexico, it still, still kind of feels like an away game, but it's like the group, like the, obviously the fans that you bring, they're so, energetic and like rowdy that it kind of gives you that buzz to kind of be like yeah I'm going to beat I'm going to beat you and it makes that rivalry like that little bit more intense but you know having to play them in a final is just even more escalated and I'd love to I'd love to play in it like but Mark will tell you that you know it is it's an amazing experience and it's obviously to win a trophy by playing them in the final even after the last time getting beat by them in the final it makes it that much sweeter 100% 100% it's like uh, you know I talk about you can't really explain it like unless you're you're actually there in that environment, you know, and you feel the energy from the crowd. You know, I talked about, I think, I forget who we had on, but I was explaining how before the game even started, like the Honduras match, at the end of that match, you already felt the energy starting to build. And then before the warm-ups, you hear the, the, the stands start to get more full and the banging on the, you know, on the stands. And then you come out for warm-up and you hear the U.S. fans go crazy and then all of a sudden you hear the Mexican fans go even crazier when the Mexican fan or team comes out for warm up, And it's like, whew, yeah, it's, it's serious. You know, we're here now. Um, I think that's just like, that's the moments you live for, right? You know, those are like the, that's the stuff you, you, you dream about as a kid, you know, and whether it be playing uh, in the youth team, you know, against you in Mexico, you, you just, you take that, that tension, that rivalry even more um, once you get to the senior team level. So yeah, you know, to have that experience under the belt is, is something I think is only going to take this group even farther, you know, and, and even look at the Gold Cup, for example, with the beating Mexico again in the final, you know, with with our, you know, whatever we want to call it, B team, whatever, you know, it just shows the depth of the, of, the, of the roster, you know, period, you know, and how we can take it to Mexico's A team, if you want to call it that, you know, and, and say, yeah, whenever you want it, you can get it. So <laughs> that's the that's just the mentality. And I think that that's getting instilled in the group and only going to help us going into qualifying. I will say about this group that I think was everybody was anticipating. And you talk about that Mexico game with in, in, in Nashville, just the scrap that this young group is willing to show in these games, I think is a, a testament to kind of the national team energy and aura and what it means to play for the national team being back that just willingness to throw it all out, out the window and just fight. Um, I think has earned, earned that respect and actually woken 
that sleeping giant of fan base uh, around the U.S. that were sort of dormant since the, the the failure of 2018, sort of being like, okay, we know that we have a lot of young, talented players. We know that I can watch them every weekend because we have access to all the games and they're all playing at big clubs and they're all competing. But what do they do when they come in with the national team? And I think you guys have been showing that uh, over the last 12 months, just that willingness to just roll up your sleeves and 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 represent the crest in, in, a, in, a, in a way that that makes everybody proud to support the team. So I, you know, I want to give you kudos to both of you guys for, for, for helping to push that forward. No, I appreciate it. Hey, you, you were rumored with a bunch of big clubs. How much of that was actually not necessarily reality, but how much of that gets to you? Or is that just like rumors and speculations, right? Like you were throughout, throughout the, the last 12 months, you know, uh, rumored to be linked with a bunch of big clubs. Do you, do you read into all that or do you just sort of like stick to, to what you know and let, let the agents and all that ha- happen off the, off the field? Yeah. I kind of just don't believe like anything I see, like obviously my agents will tell me like what's true and what's false out there, but I kind of just try and focus on wherever I am because I don't believe like anything's going to happen or anything's going to change until the lich- the day I step into a new club. Um, I was like that anyway, but then especially after like the AC Milan move fell through, like that was sort of the last time that like I was linked with a big club. Didn't so that was that a cl- that was a real that was a uh, a real thing that one. Yeah, uh, uh, so I I failed the medical out there. That's why I didn't go. Oh wow! Um, but that's the last time like, I'd literally I got told like mid November. Mark, was that the first camp me and you were at? We were at a twenty threes camp in like yeah, Gran Canaria. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it was. Uh... Yeah, it was Gran Canaria. Yeah, we yeah. So they like it was that camp they scouted me from. So after that camp, they were telling me, well, it was my dad representing me at the time. My dad was like, there was an AC Milan scout there, like they want to sign you in January, and I was just like, nah, dad, we've just played against like a Gran Canaria eleven. Like, there's no chance AC Milan <laughs> want anything to do with me. Um, so I like just didn't believe it all the way until sort of the middle of January when it like came out in the press and it was like fully happening still didn't believe it and then even when i got on the flight to go there landed midway from a medical i was kind of like all right this is actually happening now fair play and then it didn't happen so ever since then that's even more of the knockback that i've had to just think right just focus on whatever you've got to do until until new things come that's the thing about that's the thing about like rumors and transfer stuff like it's it's so hard to figure out what's real and what's not you know unless like yeah of course you have your agents and stuff like they'll tell you but unless you hear it from in the phrase like unless you hear from the horse's mouth or something like that, I forget, I forget the the phrase that they use in America. Um, I got what you mean, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But unless you yeah get it from the, the directly from the source, you know, you don't really have anything to stand on. You know, it's just speculation at that point, and that's like the the difficult part. You know, because I remember with the whole Celtic situation, I was supposed to go to Celtic back in uh, last July, and they were keen on the move, keen on the move, and it was like, oh, it's gonna happen, it's gonna happen, but nothing ever really came to fruition, you know, nothing ever happened, you know? So it was always standing on that edge of, oh, okay, yeah, maybe, you know, maybe it'll happen soon, you know? And, and I think as, as a football... Looking at houses in Celtic and stuff. Straight on to Google saying real estate in, uh, you know, uh, Glasgow. Uh, that's funny. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, I'm going out looking at like, okay, what's real estate prices look like? Okay, what uh, what are the cars? You know, what, uh, what are the guys? You know, you look at all this stuff, you know, trying to prepare yourself, but also at the same time, you're like, you know, if this falls through, what, what, you know, I don't want to look like a clown yeah. now. You know, I put all my eggs in one basket and now I'm like, oh, I don't know what to do, you know. So so trying to keep your head in the whole situation, you know, and for me, it was Celtic and Celtic's a big club. Don't get me wrong. And for you, it was AC Milan. You know, that's like the club I watched growing up with my dad, you know, in the mornings, on the weekends. You know, he loves Italian football and that's all he watched. 
you know, so to go to a giant team like that, you know, and have that potentially come to it's like, oh, shoot, you know, so again, trying to balance keeping your head, but but also keeping open to the fact that it could happen. I think that's that's the difficult thing that, that, that you don't see It's the behind the scenes stuff. Yeah, that's it, man. Anthony, were you were you were you devastated when that didn't happen? I mean, it just seems like people don't obviously see that you are a need that needs to be filled at the club. And if it's not you, then perhaps they go and find the next solution. Right. And it's not just like, Oh, we'll come back again later. Was it, was that, was that tough for you? It was, it was very tough. Yeah. Especially it was more tough because like something got flagged up in the medical to do my heart that I've never, you know, had a heart problem reported of any sort of heart symptoms, never felt anything. So I thought like, you know, if my medical came back and they were like, yeah, your, your knee's no good after I've had an knee operation or something like that, that I'd, been familiar with I would have been like yeah fair enough I'd have been angry but to just get like caught completely out of left field or something that I'd, I'd never experienced it that was what hurt the most really and I remember like being on my phone all day getting sent all these like videos of me on Sky Sports News and in the press and stuff and there was another lad at the same time I think his name's uh, Sailmakers who was getting rumoured to sign at the same time from uh, I, can't remember, I can't remember what what club he was coming from, but I just remember as I'm leaving the Milan headquarters after the moves fell through, he's sort of walking into the Milan headquarters to like sign his deal and do all the press stuff and that. And I was just like, you know, that should be me, man. <laughs> yeah, that's rough. Where where did he yeah. come from? Was he coming from Portugal? I, I don't know. I think I think he's from Belgium. So I don't I don't know what league he was playing in at the time, but yeah. Um yeah, that's that's tough, man. Like to go to go through that and be so close because, like you said, you can't help but your imagination fill it all out around it, right? Where you're going to live, the training grounds, the teammates, your dreams. When you first got into the U.S. national team, and we t- we talked about this, we talked about this with Musa last week. When when uh, when you were growing up, did you dream first of club? You know, because in the U.S. generationally, you generally dream, and it's changing now because now you have access to clubs and players are playing at bigger clubs. You can dream of being an American playing at whatever club you want. Right. But my generation was national team. That was really where the, the peak w- like lived because that's what you had access to that you could dream of. Did you dream first of, of, of club? Was that like your first focus or was like playing at a national team or international level uh, on the same level or your main focus? Nah, club club was definitely the main focus. So obviously as a kid growing up in England, I think me, like everyone is, but like you're quite like ideological. Like I was thinking, Oh, I'm gonna. I'm. I want to be the best player in the world. I'm gonna work so hard. I want to play for Real Madrid, Barcelona. Like you, you aspire to that sort of level. And then signing. I signed for Everton when I was 11. You walk through the hallway, and it shows all these players who've like people on the wall, like Wayne Rooney and Francis Jeffers and stuff. Who, whenever they've made the debut, they put their picture on the academy wall if they've come through the academy. And it's lads who who are like 16, 17. So I'm working my way through Everton, thinking I'm gonna be the youngest Everton player to like come through and play for Everton and things like that. And then I sort of got to like 14, 15, didn't work out that way. I, was, I wasn't I was really seen very highly out of it. And I was pretty much rode the bench for like two years after that, didn't play much. Then when I was like 16, I uh, got my first call up from the U, like the US um, under 18s at the time. Like that was the f- first sort of like fate someone had shown to me because I'd went from like being not very looked at highly upon in my age group at Everton and a lot of the lads like, we had a really good age group. So like a lot of the lads going to play for England and stuff. And then the U S called me up and they're like, yeah, come and like, come and be an international player. And that kind of like gave me that confidence to think, you know what, now I'm, I'm a good player and sort of reignited a bit of faith in me in the game. And like, after that, I was like pretty much decided I want to play for the U S because that was like the chance they gave me. I remember Dave hit me with a call up and I thought, 
this like this is the chance I've been waiting for to be a national like an international footballer. This is something that like lads my age haven't done yet, and like it was a really proud moment. So that's a cool story. I like I like I like that it's a it's different, right? It's different than what we experienced most guys growing up in the U.S. systems and 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 otherwise. So appreciate you you sharing that. Um, what was your what was your youth like, uh, Mark? Your yours obviously again. We talk about this a lot of being very different than my generation of of the youth growing up. Mark is in a was in a professional environment which didn't even exist. And you talk about old heads. I'm I'm Brad Guzan's age, so it wasn't that long ago. But you know what was your your youth sort of uh, upbringing and and kind of going? You talk about going through the academy system and whatnot, the pathway. Uh, Eunice talked about just sort of a lot of those guys kind of fall off along the way and like 1% make it to the first team of, of these bigger clubs. Do most of, most of the guys that you came up through, did, are, are they, are they playing at, at big clubs? I know you said you had a good group and uh, at your age group, but, um, what was, what was that, I guess, upbringing like in, in the professional environment? So at, at Everton, it is, it is pretty good. Like their, their facilities, like very good for teams around, like around the UK. And I've said a lot, a lot of most of it, like we had a really good age group coming up, I think. From my age now, there's probably in like say championship or above, there's probably like four or five lads still playing. And through just throughout football league, there's probably six, seven lads out of the sort of maybe 12, 14 that got scholarships who are playing. But yeah, it was going, it was weird going from like Sunday league, which I don't know what you'd call it in the US. Like, what would you call like Sunday league? Yeah, Sunday League. Yeah, it's, you yeah. call it Sunday League as well. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. yeah I thought that was an English thing. I think thing. we, 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 get we stole UK. that one. Yeah, we <laughs> yeah. stole that one directly. You know, we didn't we didn't make it our own phrase. <laughs> we didn't try to outsource it. You know, and say, oh, <laughs> yeah, you, you know. spotted. Yeah, that's, that's pretty good. Okay, um, so go, going from Sunday League, I yeah, I went from there. Everyone who's ends up in an academy is normally like probably the best player on their Sunday League team or in their school team. Like and I, I was the best player on my Sunday league team to then go into Everton's like under twelves and be like nowhere near the best in the team, and um, can't really, it's it's tough to prepare for it and it's such a professional environment at a young age to get you used to you know like traveling for away games and going on international tours like it really does they do prepare you for a lot of what is expected in like pro football um, from a young age so it's a, it is a big commitment to go to an academy at such a young age. I think that's the, I think the preparation is, is the sacrifice a lot of people don't see because, you know, uh, I remember my first time I was on like a regional team. It was called Eastern Development Program at the time. And it was like the step before uh, I joined the, the Philadelphia Unions Academy for every, uh, it was like a, they would call us in for a regional camp and it'd be like a five day long camp. Every time we got called in, we'd have to arrive in suits, a suit and tie. You know, and it was like, oh, damn, I don't feel like wearing a suit and tie. I can't just wear like sweatpants or whatever. But it puts you in this mindset almost like, yeah, you know, you have that professional mindset. You know, we go into a meeting room and we break down, okay, what's this camp going to be about? What are we going to get accomplished? You know, what are your personal goals? What are the team goals? This, that, and the other. And then we get together, you have the facility set up, you know, you go and you train, you know, the coaches would get called in from, from around the country. Um, so you, you, you're not preparing yourself mentally in a way and subconsciously as a kid, you don't realize it, but now you're developing habits that carry on, you know, further. And then when I joined the unions Academy, it already kind of had that introduction to the professional lifestyle. And then now you just take it up a notch because now you're in an environment with guys who are 
possibly better than you, uh, you know, phys- more physically gifted than you are, more te- technical, may have a better, you know, uh, IQ for the game, you know, whatever it is. Um, so now you have other factors that go into it. So I think that at a young age is, is a sacrifice that a lot of a lot of kids, you know, that age don't really understand. It's like, oh, you know, why can't you come out and hang out with us? You know, we're going to the movies, uh, we're going to go bowling or whatever, you know, whatever we were doing. And yeah, I can't. I got yeah, we travel tomorrow. We got a road trip, you know, so sorry, I can't go. And to say that at 10, 11, 12 years old is something that. Yeah, it will it will make you re, you know really think like do I want to do I really want to play and and those that do want to will more than likely go on you know to 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 do big things so yeah man you know one of the things on that you know that people don't see is is the kids that don't actually make it right and mm-hmm. the hardships of you go into an academy at twelve years old right you put in six years your f- formative years you sacrifice everything. But ultimately, you were a success story of somebody who made it, right? But there's these other people that hit 18 and don't make it. And they've dedicated, you know, six years of their childhood sacrificing all these things. Uh, have people around you that, that you know struggled with sort of getting back into civilian or normal life, knowing that like this is all they know, this is all they've learned, they've given up all this stuff to make it, and then when they don't make it, do you know people from from your childhood that that have struggled to sort of just move on and and the hardships of that? Yeah, so I know I know a lot of people personally, especially from my, like my age group and like the years above and below, who you know sacrificed a lot to try and make it through Everton. And then there was there was like people who like they'd be getting like two buses and a train to get to training yeah. every single day on their own because the parents couldn't take them up, or, um, you know, for whatever reason, and they'd be doing that from say the age of fifteen to. 18 the last year of the scholarship and then Everton turn around and say yeah we're not going to we're not going to give you a pro contract sorry to feel like you've done everything you could have done worked so hard made all them sacrifices in years when you could you know you could have just been having fun going out with your friends and stuff to not make it after that it's very hard especially when going through like scholarship periods over in England I'd say 95% of the players choose to like when we go through like college, so like our like junior, senior year of high school here is college, go through college here and do, instead of getting like proper qualifications that you would get if you weren't in a football team, they'd just like do an easy option, like a BTEC and P or whatever, which is just the easy thing. It's kind of just ticking a box to say, I've done my education, but then, you know, when it turns out that you're not getting a contract and you've got to leave football and you haven't got qualifications that you might need for a job, so... It's a very, it is it can leave you in a very tough place when you when you give everything expecting to sort of make it in the game when you know it's it's not guaranteed and it's it's actually very unlikely for most people. Small percentage, small percentage of people will go on, you know. So let me correct myself when I say, yeah. Although you can put in the work, so a lot of times that one percent is the only one that's are going to go on to to do it, you know. And I look at the other spectrum, other side of it as well, and I look at some of the most talented guys who I've played with who've done everything so well, will have a turn, you know, as soon as they hit the top, they may get lost in the whole idea of being at the top, you know, and now they're, they're not playing. I'm trying to scrap their way back into. So it's, yeah, it's an interesting dynamic, you know, and how, how development can, can go two ways, you know, and I think about also how difficult it is for, for a staff member potentially to tell a, a 13, 14 year old kid, like, yeah, you're not good enough. Sorry, kid, you know, yeah, we're cutting you. You know, and then what do you, now your kid goes home and what does he do? You know, so it's, yeah, man, that's the, the harsh reality of, of the game, you know, but that's what comes with it. Yeah. 
Hey, Anthony, if you could tell yourself, your younger self at like 12, 13, 14, um, or the next kid coming, coming under you, because you're obviously, you got a new coach now, you're having to prove yourself, right? And you're a well-established player. And then you'll have somebody you're competing with in your spot. And then you'll have a young player that's coming up, kind of nipping at your heels to take your spot. Uh, what would you tell yourself if, if you could do it any differently? Or would you, would it be the same? Or would you give yourself any advice that perhaps that you struggled with or perhaps didn't understand or execute well uh i mean what would you what advice would you pass on uh, to my younger self i'd probably i'd probably just say i'd probably just say keep the faith because i was very you know going f- going from like the 12 to 16 period in the academy where i was with, like i just felt like a bit undervalued and that you know i wasn't i've kind of lost my way in football i'm not going to make it even though i felt like that i still had it instilled in myself like from my dad and my mum, but mainly my dad, who was my coach before I signed for Everton, you know, to work as hard as I can to believe myself, be confident. And it's it's hard to like keep that faith sometimes when, you know, like you're the only player on the weekend who doesn't play and you've just had to sit on the bench and like watch a game. You go away to an international tournament. I remember going away to a tournament in Belgium when I was 14 and I came home crying because I was the only player who didn't play a minute. And like my mum and dad wanted to pull me out of the academy at that age, but I ended up sticking with it and like getting through it. And it's something that I've had to learn along the way, but I definitely just like reminded myself that like, there's going to be a lot of tough times, but like just roll through it and work hard and keep a good mindset because you can, you can over, you can overcome anything if you work hard enough, I, I believe. And like, I've, I feel like I've overcome a lot of over, overcome not being the best player. I've overcome injuries, you know, things like that and keeping a positive mindset and working hard. It does, it does like for the most point pay off a lot more than, you know, if you're going to just lose your head and sort of lose the belief. Yeah, man. I mean, at that age, it's, it's, it's tough. You know, I think that's that's probably the biggest the biggest advice I tell myself as well. You know, just take it one day at a time, you know, because you can you can feel like, I remember I had changed positions. They, before joining the academy, I went from being like a forward attacking, like midfielder. Man, stop. Forward. You're doing, you're, hey, you're bro, trying bro, to sell bro, bro, this bro. again that you were a striker. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. I was a forward midfielder and then they put me to center back because I was a bigger guy. And I was like, ah, you know, and I went through maybe like a year with the pre-academy and then joined the academy and I just was not having it. And then I went and I didn't play like the first couple months of the, the season. I joined the academy and I'm like, is this even worth it anymore? You know, I'm not even having fun doing this. You know, like I'm playing center back. Who wants to play center back? You know, nobody wants to freaking defend. Everyone wants to score goals and get all the glory and step over as Christ, Maradona's, all that good stuff, you know. But ultimately came into the came into the position, came into, you know, everything. And and again, that one day at a time mentality is something that a youngster probably won't won't really acknowledge, you know, because it's like, God, why isn't it happening now? Why now, now, now? Right. You know, so, you know, again, keeping the faith, you know, I think is is huge um, that, that a lot of the youngins should, should, should listen to, man this thought that everybody's obsessed with this like rags to riches story that that's what everybody talks about, right? This kid, no shoes, no food, no nothing makes it against all the odds. They don't talk about like, again, the 99% of the kids in the same scenario that stay like that. But what also gets overlooked is just the struggles of uh, an athlete, right? Like you said, 12 to 16 undervalued injuries, overcoming all these things that it's this constant sort of circle that kind of resets you. And you're having to compete for the next thing and go through the next level mm-hmm. of adversity. That could be, it could be family related, but it could also be injuries. It could also be, like you said, these things that define you, you know, you shouldn't in theory, remember a thought of going on a trip and not playing, but that's the stuff that you go yeah. back to when you need that motivation, right? Which is like, 
Mark in, in, in the, in the pre-academy, you going to that, coming back, crying from that trip. And people don't get to see that these are the moments that, that it doesn't have to always be this crazy against all odds motivator that, that creates trauma or creates uh, fear or creates uh, all these things, because those are what you go through all the time as a player. Right. And, and, and they continue, not just when you get to the pros and then you get to the pro level and you just enjoy yourself. And like, you know, you're continuously having to face adversity and overcome obstacles. And, and I think that you guys both put it in, in a good way that helps to contextualize just some of the things that you go through that people don't get to see just because your story might not be the craziest of stories. You still constantly weekly, daily, monthly, uh, yearly go through crazy things that you have to overcome in order to sort of keep, keep going at the highest level. Where did you, where did you get the, the nickname Jedi from? So that goes back to, I normally don't give a full explanation for this, but I kind of will just like, you know, Oh, we're getting uh, the exclusive, was, Mark. We're getting the exclusive. I know. I know. I'm, I'll have said it before. It's a safe no space. One, no one ever remembers, but <laughs> so, like I said before, my dad was my coach for when I was in Sunday League football, and he coached me from when I was five to when I was 12, 11, 12. He's coached for like, you know, 15, 20 years, co- coached my older brother. He's always been a football coach. When he went into Sunday League coaching, he nicknamed every player, and it'd usually be after a player that he really admired. So it kind of I don't know, I don't know why he did it, but it might have just been like you know if he if he calls you Javi, then it's like he thinks you're a great passer, think you're a great passer, and like keep passing. You know, it's like might have been like a positive reinforcement thing. But you know, five years old, he comes to me, he's like, son, I'm gonna make you, I'm gonna make a team like your age, so you can play in it what you want your nickname to be, I'll let you choose. My favourite player at the time was Thierry Henry. Still is my favourite player of all time, but he assumed I'm just going to want to be called Henry. And as far as I'm sure, they they tell me anyway, that I said, I want to be called Jedi. And <laughs> that was just because, you know, at the time, watched all the films, had all the toys. And, you know, I must have just been a really big fan, not even knowing it when I was five, and got called Jedi. And then everywhere I went, I introduced myself as Jedi. My first day at Everton on trial, introduced myself as Jedi to the lads and the coaches. Just have ever, like, ever since then, I've always said that's my name. So that's how it came and stuck. There's something amazing in the innocence of your dad asking you to sort of pick the nickname you want and you remember it being uh tt but they remember you saying jedi and the innocence of like you can name yourself after any player and you named yourself after a movie character who also has great attributes but i think that's amazing man that's a great story <laughs> yeah it's a bit of a long-winded one when i have to explain it fully i normally when i was like 13 and people would ask i'd just say oh i can do backflips so i'm called jedi so I, couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't bother explaining you start quick to the point yeah <laughs> oh that's funny so what, what's harder cricket or baseball um i don't think i've ever actually played around a baseball you know i've played cricket when i was younger it's cricket's a really boring game but at the same time when i went to that like philly's baseball game um matt was talking about before it was one of the most boring things that I'd ever been to. <laughs> yeah, I could have told you that one, bro. <laughs> yeah. So, what's harder? I'm assume I I can only assume uh, baseball's harder. But anyway, Anthony, we're gonna move on to some, some rapid fire questions, man. Get you out of here. I don't want to hold you up too long. Um, <laughs> these are just some quick, some quick, uh, some quick fire questions. You know, nothing that's that's too deep. You know, some uh, some answers get off the top of your head. So, uh, your favorite play of all time? Here we are, I'm assuming. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, your favorite U.S. men's national team player of all time? Uh, Clint Dempsey. Uh, would you... Okay, this is like... This is a complicated one. 
are you eating pizza that's pineapple on it or, or is that a yeah. no? Okay. Right. Now he just gonna he's Yo, gonna step no. in and try and listen, dick. Mark. By the way, yeah. yesterday, so there, um, you probably guys probably heard some noise happening when we first started outside of my house. There, they're, yeah. they're rebuilding the turf in in my backyard. And after like they were there for a long day, so my wife went outside and was like, "Hey, do you guys want any food? We'll order you guys some food." I'm like, yeah, pizza's fine. And so everybody's like, cheese, pepperoni, and then one guy's like, Hawaiian. And, <laughs> and, and so it was only one person wanted pineapple on the pizza. And so my wife comes out to me. She goes, "Well, should I get an extra one that's just Hawaiian then? Because he's the only one that wants it." And I was like, "Yeah, order it up. That's what he wants. That's what he likes." Yeah, get the man, get the man pineapple on his pizza, man. Come on. And then last thing is we got a public Spotify playlist and we're having all the guests though on the track. Um, it can be pre-match music, something you're feeling these days. Um, and, and I wouldn't concern yourself too much on what you pick because yeah, we got some, some different, different music on here. You know, we got, uh, you heard of Blink 182 before? Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So we got, what's my age again? You know, we got modern day, you know, Big Mel, Roddy Rich. So yeah. Yeah. Anything. And by the way, before you answer, I will say Sam Vines, got more press for not knowing who Blink-182 was coming on our <laughs> podcast and was like, I don't know who they were. More people were interested in that and it went further because uh, he had never heard of them than than any of these other ones. So so I'm never, never hearing of them, Smad. I can probably hear a couple songs and like know it's them and I definitely yeah. know the name, but like, I couldn't name you a song now, but not hearing of them is ridiculous. <laughs> That's like, the, like uh, when I was a... Uh, when I was at Wigan, I asked, I was speaking to Reese James, was talking about like going to a concert and I was like, oh, I was supposed to go and see the game a couple of weeks ago and he didn't know who the game was. And I was like, nah, you're taking a piss, mate. That's Unless crazy. he was blind and he's just caught sort of back to this day. He genuinely didn't know who he was. But nah, the game, nah. the game had like a, a, a peaking moment yeah. that like you could see, I could see how a lot of young people wouldn't know the game. I mean, I, I think it's crazy, but like still. But like yeah. two, two or three years younger than me doesn't feel like yeah doesn't feel that young but yeah there's there is wow. definitely that little slight generational gap between like but that's even me years. yeah like that, i'm, I'm two i'm me. only two years younger you know and it's like yeah that's but, crazy the, thing. but the uk has its own like since since that period though the uk has developed its own so and it's always had it but like has had much more of a globalized sort of rap and hip hop game and and music yeah. culture that I think you could you could just immerse yourself in just just the UK yeah. music and never even go outside yeah. of, outside of like top artists it's like true. you know it's different I think it's different now I'm not trying to give him I'm not trying to give him any any uh any way out of this because I think it's yeah. ridiculous but, uh still all right so what's your song no nah, let's go for the one off the top of my head let's go with the Jackie if it's not on there okay that's bars and J Cole all right all right. Well, you heard it here first. Make sure y'all go listen. Listen to the track, man. That's uh, I've been bobbing to it a little bit, you know. Yeah, lately. it's just a feel good summer tune, man. Wallace's still out over here. I'll keep playing. Yeah, it. man. You better, hey, you gotta get, kind of, gotta keep the vibes up while the sun is out. Because uh, I mean, I've got about three weeks left, and then it's gonna be. <laughs> yeah. yeah, man. I'm I, hey, like I'm in the same boat as you. You know, this weather is. I don't think I. I don't think it. I saw the sun from January until probably like beginning of May. Yeah. I was like, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, Anthony, bro, appreciate you, man. Thank you for coming on and uh, enjoying us, bro. No, I appreciate you having me, man. It was good. Appreciate it. Yo, Mark, so that's it, man. Great conversation. Um, it always helps to have these guys that you know on a personal level because they just, they kind of chill out. They come and hang out. They trust us and, and um, 
you know, uh, I'm almost positive Anthony Robinson had never, never knew who I was, you know. Uh, I, was, I can tell you he probably didn't. I can tell you. No, no chance, huh? No chance. Sorry, I, wanted to, I wanted to bring up 2009 when I was leaving Germany that I, I was on it, uh, close to going to Everton, but he talked about his time there. And the thing for me was that they had Leighton Baines, and Leighton Baines was the yeah. starter in the England national team, right? And it was more right, of was, like, yeah. hey, Everton at the time, they play Europe, you lots of games, they need cover, they need like legitimately, um, they need depth. And for me, my main goal was like, I, that will kill my chances of of, of, of going to a World Cup. Team. In yeah. retrospect, I probably should have done it um, because <laughs> <laughs> because I still couldn't control that. But yeah, um, but yeah, what a, good, what a good conversation, man. What a good guy. No, great convo. He's uh, yeah, he's an energetic guy. Like if he's cool, he was cool in the pod. Very, you know, he opened up a lot. You know, and I'm glad he was able to kind of give us insight on his his life. You know, coming up in in, in England and whatnot. But man, this guy is even more energetic in person. Like if you catch this guy on the morning before a game, holy crap! Like I love the guy, but sheesh. Yeah, he's got energy, and I, I could use I could use some of that. Now, he does flips, all that kind of stuff. They would do Rubik's cubes, brains operating at different capacities at different parts of the mm. morning. Like nah, yeah, I could use some of that. That's like a uh, that caffeine that you need sometimes. I will say that now that I'm 37, I look back on a lot of things probably differently than they either happened or how I remembered them at the time, right? So maybe I reflect more accurately on on things or maybe more inaccurately because you don't remember them. And the story of him and the name Jedi and just how <laughs> like sweet of a story that is that he thinks he told his dad Thierry, but he his dad says he told him Jedi uh, is just a really phenomenal uh, <laughs> kind of really innocent story of like childhood and how you remember things differently, you know, and how he's come of to course. have this name, which I, I think is great. No, I think that was, uh, yeah, it's, it's one of those innocent moments, those pure moments, you know, as a kid where you will die by it because you feel like you said it. Like, Dad, I, I, I said Henri, like TT, like that's the guy. That's I want that nickname. Yeah. And five years later, you're still rocking Jedi. And you're like, how have I come this far with, yeah, Jedi? But hey, it sticks, right? And I think that's what, uh, I think those are the those are the stories, though, you know, that, that really make this podcast special you know i think that that being able to, to to talk about those childhood moments you know that you probably wouldn't hear about otherwise you know because i hadn't we had, i don't even know if i didn't think i knew about you know how he became how his nickname came about so yeah it was yeah. first for me but but now i always get to, to kind of tap into it so it was uh yeah i, I appreciate him for that so guys uh, listen uh make sure you leave a comment and a review it helps us get found any little comment helps when you engage with us on social when you leave a comment when you give us five stars when you recommend this to your friends it helps this podcast grow and i will say i know you guys are doing that because the podcast continues to grow episode after episode we have our sort of we're setting new records every single week in terms of downloads and people being interested in it so we really appreciate all of you we have some great guests coming up and uh, we want to thank our production team matt flores chris bonello and the whole four soccer ventures team and mark and i will see you guys next time peace, peace.